All right, thank you, Matt. Welcome everybody to Current. My name is David. Today is a bit of a special message in my mind because we come to the account of the walls of Jericho coming down. It's really the story of God's people entering into or re-entering into the promised land. And I say it's special in my mind because I feel like this story in, in a few ways parallels where we are at as a church right now. What do I mean? Well, as we get to re-enter, God willing, meeting in person, as we're aiming to do in the next few weeks. And so, you know, here we are now a year into shelter in place, and it has felt like our own wilderness, if you will, wandering around. But here we are on the precipice, even as our county, Santa Clara County this week, moved us to red tier restriction, meaning it's things are trending in a good direction. Let's pray that they can continue to go in that direction. Here we are on the precipice of, really, if I'm real with you, facing our own set of Jericho walls. How's that? Well, we are a setup and teardown operation. And while we have a wonderful space that we're getting ready to utilize, that really is its own miracle that we have it at the Hyatt-centric, and we have, while we have some wonderful teams who are helping us get ready for this, and while we have some amazing ministry potential possibilities that we're really excited about coming up, it's not a given. While we have a number of you who are ready to return, there's many of you who are not yet ready, and that's okay. We're working real hard to have digital, uh, our digital experience uh, working great, so you can continue to engage in that way. But here we are on the precipice of, of beginning to regather in person. Easter is upon us, just a few weeks away, away and we want to position ourselves to be in a place where we can be a part of God's work. And we need you if you feel ready and willing to come back. We can't do this without you. And so today we're going to consider this on the high level, but also on the more personal level, how God moves and how we can be a part of it. I love that about the text we're going to be looking at today, the story, this ancient account of the walls of Jericho coming back, because we, in this account, we have this beautiful, if not a little perplexing, but really helpful picture of how God moves and how we can be a part of it. So again, we're going to consider this as we think about in the life of the church and the whole, but then also at the personal, maybe family level, uh, individually, as we consider this text today, how God moves and how we can be a part of it when he does. So let me pray, and then we'll read the scripture. Father, thank you so much for this time that we can gather in this way. Uh, like all of God's people throughout all generations, we long to see you move and to be a part of it. Because apart from your moving, uh, there is no eternal life-changing work. And so we long as your people and as your church to push your kingdom forward, pointing people to Jesus. And so especially in this next season of the life of the church, as we hope to begin to, to, to regathering in person here, Lord, would you please go before us in all of this? Would you please help us keep in step with what you're doing and how you're doing it? Please teach us from this text today in all of this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11. We're going to be looking at verse 30 there because we're continuing our onward series through Hebrews chapter 11. But then we're also going to be looking at Joshua chapter 6, which is really the original account that our Hebrews chapter 11 references. So uh, you can flip there to Joshua 6 as well. If you don't have a Bible, that's perfectly fine. The words will be on the screen for you. So first let me read from Hebrews and then I'll read from Joshua. 
Hebrews 11 verse 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell, after the army had marched around them for seven days. And then in Joshua 6, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests, carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Looking down at verse 20, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. All right, last week we left off with the Israelites being delivered out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. And really, it didn't take them a whole long a whole long time to get to the walls of Jericho a first time around. Moses led them to the land of Canaan and to the walls of Jericho a first time around. And what he did at that time was send out 12 spies to really take reconnaissance of the land. So those 12 spies went out, they, they checked things out, they came back to Moses, to the people, and reported that the land is, was wonderful, that it was a land flowing with milk and honey, that the fruit was just incredible and, and, and all the rest of it. But then 10 of those spies went on to say, but we can't go in. We, 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 we should not try to do this because the people there in the land are giant-like and they will just crush us. But two of the spies in return said, oh no, don't listen to them, people of God. No, 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 don't listen to them because while the people are big, God is with us. He will provide. He will take care of us. We've got to go because he's going to give us this land. Sadly, the people were persuaded by the ten and decided, you know what? No, we can't go. We will not go because we will be crushed. And I say it's sad because especially in light of what had been happening, they had just been 
utterly not trusting God. I mean, here God had just delivered them out of Egypt, just performing miracle after miracle to do so. And then through the Red Sea, I mean, talk about a miracle of miracles. And then now they get to the land that God had been ultimately bringing them to. And they say, you know what? We're not going to do this. We can't follow God. We can't trust him. We're not going. And God in return, you know, with just a broken heart, of course, said, okay, that's your decision. That's your decision. But here's what that means. You will now wander the wilderness for 40 years. And really, that's the story of how the people of God came to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And in that time of of wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they had some times of intimacy with the Lord, but really they just continued to rebel and just reject him in, in any number of ways. Well, after the 40 years and all of that generation essentially had had passed away, except for the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, the people of God were just determined, we're going to follow God now. We're we're just going to, we're going to make it our effort to say, you know what, we've we've learned, we're going to, we're going to put him first. We're going to trust him no matter what. And so Joshua again brought the people out of the wilderness to the gates of Jericho. And it's in this place that God met Joshua and God met the people. And we see some lessons for how, for how God moves. First, we see that God moves in his way. We see that God moves in his way, which sometimes might not be the way that we would decide it. <laughs> Or, or we would figure it, or, or a way that we would plan it to go. But God moves in his way. What's really interesting about this text is the fact that God comes to Joshua and says, here, I want you to take this city. I'm delivering this city into your hands, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to take the ark of the Lord, and you're going to have the priests carry it out in front. You're going to have the army kind of march behind it. All the people march around the ark, just go around the whole city, the whole fortress, which was, it was in a huge city, so they could do that in one day. And then I want you to pack it all up for that night, sleep, wake up the next day, and do it again. And then again the next day, and then the next day, and do that for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to do that seven times and then have everybody shout. And when they shout, the walls will collapse and you can take the city. I mean, not, I mean, an obvious thought here is that wasn't the best of military advice, right? That wasn't the best military strategy. Better military strategy would be probably something like, hey, Here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to divide up your, your fighting soldiers into this camp and this camp, and I want you to arrange them to, to come at the city on, on, at the time that you tell them in, a, in a, a coordinated effort. And in this way, you will gain the advantage. You will be victorious. The city will be yours. That's not what God said. God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the ark, walk around, have all the people not say anything. Just follow them. Six days, seventh day, do it seven times. The city will be yours. What's happening here? If not for God just making it abundantly clear to his people, I'm going to move, but I'm going to move in in my way. Will you trust me? And I think this is something that can can resonate for, for all of us. In fact, even those who don't identify as followers of God, followers of Christ, because we know that life often doesn't work out the way that we would have planned it to, or hoped it to, or scripted it to, or figured it to. And as Christ's followers, as God's followers, we can know that we can follow him, trust him, because his plan is good, even if it's not in the way that we're that we would script it, because he's moving in, in his way. 
This last week, we got to hear a story of staff. Um, one of our wonderful staff members, Christina Huang, shared a little bit of her story. And uh, some of you, many of you know her, of course. She's a wonderful assistant. She's been doing incredible things in the life of the church. We're so grateful for her. But she was sharing her story and how she had had a plan for her life to go into speech therapy. That was just what she wanted to do uh, going back to high school because it, to, in, in her words, was a safe and predictable path, something that she could do. And she really excelled at that work. I got into graduate school. Everything was going according to plan. But during that time, she started to sense that God wanted her to pray, uh, to, to challenge her. To not necessarily just take the, the easy road or the safe path, but to do more with her life. And so she started to pray about that. And as she began to pray about that during that season of prayer, she came across uh, Current, uh, which, is, which is really fun. Started to do ministry with us part-time just and found that God was answering that prayer in a way that she hadn't expected, eventually taking the, the call to come on full-time with us doing ministry, something she had never anticipated she would do, an entirely different direction than what she had planned or figured, but now it's just incredibly good. And I know from, from our own perspective, many of you can uh, say an amen to this, Christina has been a, a, a critical part of the ministry during the season of, of the church. In, in a staff role and in the ministry, especially helping Cindy as her, as her right hand, it's just been incredible. Something she didn't expect, none of us expected, but it's been so good, clearly. God often works in ways that we don't necessarily think ourselves or plan for ourselves, but he works and moves in his way. And it's good. He's working out wonderful things. We can trust him. The second thing we see here is that God moves in his timing. God moves in his timing. Put yourself in the shoes of the ancient Israelites here. Right as they were marching around the city just quietly behind the ark of the Lord. Could you just imagine yourself as they went about doing this? How they must have felt as they were just circling this you know, impregnable military fortress and just looking at it. How would you have felt? I imagine many of us would have felt unsure, maybe a little bit like nervous, like what's how, embarrassed, awkward. I don't know. Just imagine. And then doing that one day, going to sleep, and then waking up and doing it again. And then again. And then doing that six times for, for six days. And then on the seventh day, doing that seven times for a whole week doing this. I mean, could you, could you imagine? God was not only just showing them, though, that he does things in his way, but he's showing them he was doing it in his timing. Why else would he have had them do it this day and then the next day and then, the, and then seven days? And for a whole week, the people of God had to trust as they followed him as faithfully as they understood to follow him. And I think this is just so important for us to understand because we live in a culture, in a society that is all about instant gratification. I mean, do we not? And so when things don't turn out the way we want them to or how we'd want them to, in the timing that we'd want them to, it could really upset us pretty quickly. I was talking to somebody uh, recently. Uh, it was just a really refreshingly honest conversation. This person was sharing how they were going through a hard time and how it was just really frustrating that things weren't changing for them. 
you know, it had been a day or two and they were just still really wrestling with this, this really hard thing in their life. And then a whole week had gone by and they were still wrestling and they couldn't believe it. And in sharing, they had kind of a, a moment of reflection of, oh my goodness, it's only been a week. <laughs> And while, yeah, I want things to change, it's really, in the grand scheme of things, it's just been a week, but man, I've been so upset about it. And I thought that that sharing is so much, so, so relatable for, for each of us because we could just wrestle with something if it be, and it's only been going for a day or if it's only been going for, for a week. And you know what? These ancient Israelites, I talk about them having to trust God each day for six days and then the seventh day, going around seven days, like for, for a week, and that being okay, that would have been hard. But remember, they had been wandering as a people for 40 years before that. I mean, we're talking about a lot of time. They had to trust God in his timing. So let me ask you, how are you with patience? When it comes to things working out in your life, how are you with the timing of it all? Just the working through of the timing of it all. And here's the real question. How can you be faithful with what's in front of you today? How can you be faithful with today? I love how Jesus at one point put it. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough troubles in its own right. And in, in so saying, he wasn't saying, don't think about tomorrow in the sense of never plan for it or, you know, consider it in any way whatsoever. No, he wasn't saying, he was saying in regards to how you feel or worrying about the hypotheticals, don't, don't let yourself go there. Just focus on what's in front of you and being faithful with what you have right now and today. How can you be faithful with today, many of you are going through hard times right now. It's just a real battle or struggle in whatever area of your life. But how can you be faithful today? Even as you look to through the tunnel and maybe you see a light there, maybe you don't, but how can you be faithful with today? I've had an opportunity as a pastor to really wrestle through this in terms of the timing and in, in terms of the church. Because one of the things I, I have as a unique vantage point as a pastor is I can see, you know, kind of, uh, you know, across the board, across the spectrum, how people are doing in, in the church uh, across the whole. And, and I just have to say, well, there's a number of people who are doing well. There's, a, there's also a lot of people right now, uh, this is no surprise, who are hurting, who are struggling. And, and the reality is the, the common de denominator for a lot of these struggles and, and, and wrestling and, and hardship is, of course, because of isolation. And what's more, while I'm not a clinical professional or whatever, I can't help but think many of us are wrestling through and struggling with things and we don't even realize that we are. And we've been in shelter in place for a whole year that has to take its toll. And so as a pastor with the timing, I've been like, man, I can't wait to, we gotta, we gotta meet together so we can, we can see each other and meet needs. And that hasn't worked out exactly the way we'd want to or hope to, but God moves in his way and in his timing. And we can trust him and follow him knowing that he's good and he's working it out. One other real quick thought in this, under this heading of God works in his timing is the fact that when Joshua got word from the Lord for how he was to carry this out, it shows quite clearly that Joshua immediately got to it. I mean, as soon as God spoke to him, he went to the people and carried out, carried out the actions, carried out the orders. And so when God does make something available to you, he does open something up or he does show an avenue for how you can follow him in whatever you're facing. Can you follow him in that? Can you, can you move? God moves in his way. God moves in his timing. And finally, we see here that God moves in his power. 
God moves in his power. Look again at verse 20. It says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. So after the Israelites had done everything that God had told them to do for six days, walking around each day once, and then on the seventh day for seven times, the walls came down when they shouted. What especially struck me in my study this week is the fact that God deliberately chose to do it this way and why he must have deliberately chosen to do it this way. I mean, he, he obviously chose to do it in this this you know, way that wasn't the best of military strategy to make a point. And then with the timing in terms of the walking around certain days and for seven total to make a point, it seems to me that he was doing all of this to help it help the people of God understand that not only was he going to do a miracle here, but he was going to do the miracle in and through them. He was going to let them be a part of it. Because if, if God had just said, hey, Joshua, you, you go take this city. I'll, I'll deliver you. You decide how you're going to do this, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be with you in it. Joshua would have been said, okay, you, you take this group. You take this group, uh, leaders, and, and we'll coordinate our efforts, and we'll be victorious that way. And hey, we did it. We did it. God, thank you for, for helping us, kind of, sort of. But, but, but we did it. No, God made it abundantly clear that, that he did it. But the converse side of that is God didn't say, hey, you guys just sit there and do nothing and the walls will collapse on their own and I'll just deliver it, you, uh, deliver it to you uh, by myself. He deliberately did it in such a way to not only make it abundantly clear to the people that he was doing a miracle, but he did it in such a way that they got to be a part of it. One of my favorite stories in the gospel accounts, the books of the Bible that focus in on Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection, is the famous miracle of him taking the loaves and the fish and multiplying it for the thousands. But if you read those stories and you pay careful attention to the details, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't just perform the miracle by himself. In fact, he deliberately performs those miracles in such a way to include his followers, the disciples, his main students. You read about it and you see that Jesus was multiplying, but then giving it to his disciples to distribute. And then having the disciples organize the thousands and, and be a part of it in that way. And then even have the disciples go around and collect up the, the leftovers. Why? To show that even the leftovers were more than what they had started with. In so doing, Jesus not only allowed them to, to see that a miracle was happening, but be a part of it. In fact, to me, in that sense, that's almost crazier than the miracle itself. Because if you think about it from God's perspective, he knows he can do a miracle. He's in the business of doing a miracle. What's amazing is that he includes us in the working of his miracles. And we get to be a part of it. I am really excited about the season coming up in the life of the church. I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't claim to have heard, you know, a divine word from God here, but I just get the sense, and I've told the leadership teams this, I just I just get the sense that we're on the precipice of God doing something really amazing in the life of the church and through the church in the months ahead. And I just I just get really excited about it because you think about it when we begin to regather, there's going to be so much ministry opportunity in front of us in terms of reconnecting and meeting needs and serving one another, but also helping people who haven't engaged with church in a long time engage. 
And then people who've never engaged with church at all come to hear about Jesus. Hopefully, we pray, put their faith in him. I just, I get really excited at the, the possibilities right in front of us. And it seems like God is lining up all the pieces here. Again, with the Hyatt-centric in front of us, that has just been a, a, a godsend through and through, a miracle. For those of you who were with us before the shelter-in-place happened, we were meeting in the community center uh, there in Mountain View off Rankstorf, the senior center. And it was a wonderful space, but we're, we're not getting in there anytime soon, if, if not ever, because that's owned and operated by the government, which has the strongest restrictions and also the least incentive to have anybody back in. And so here we are, set up and tear down, deal and renting and you know not having our own space. What do we do? Well, it just so happened the Hyatt-centric worked out this new business hotel that's really in the heart of Mountain View off San Antonio and El Camino, just two major thoroughfares where the senior center was kind of packed away, like many streets hidden. It's just a lot of... The space itself is wonderful. It's really nice. In fact, in some ways, nicer than we would have thought. And then like incredible, like almost most miraculous of all, it has this incredible outdoor space that we just happen to be able to use during, you know, rephasing during a, a global pandemic. I mean, it's just incredible. We're going to be using the outdoor space. And then we have this massive retractable wall that we can use even as we regather in phases to ventilate the room. It's just it's just such a godsend in, in any number of ways, let alone the relationship that allowed us to get in there to begin with. It's such a gift. It seems like God's lining up the pieces in any number of ways, but we cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without you. Uh, we've been working hard, it needs to be said, to have different options available to everyone uh, depending on your comfort level, we're going to continue to work really hard to have as, as good of a digital experience available to those of you who are not yet ready to come back. We just encourage you to press into that and, and engage in that. But for those of you who are ready to start coming back, even as we move to red tier this week in terms of our county restrictions, we're really excited about that. There's just incredible opportunity to help us accomplish what we sense God is doing and getting ready to do. I mean, for one thing, Easter's right around the corner. And we all know what ministry opportunities there are around our holiday of Easter, at least right now in our culture, that still tends to be the case. Uh, we're gonna have a digital experience ready uh, up and ready for Easter. We're praying that we'll have volunteer teams and capacity to be able to start meeting weekly, digitally uh, from Easter on. Our staff and team leads have done an incredible job thinking through logistics of, of not only how to pull off as safely as we can an outdoor experience in, in, in keeping safety measures and all that in mind, but also in terms of having protocols and different ways to, to safely volunteer and do the work to pull things uh, together, having safety measures and, and such. So we're ready. For you. If, if you're ready, we'd love to invite you specifically out to March 21st as we hold our volunteer preview service. Mark that for your calendar, March 21st. We'd love you to come, love for you to come out to our volunteer preview service, this in-person outdoor gathering, which is meant to be for anyone and everyone who's up for helping us put this on, help make this possible. Would you prayerfully consider joining us on that day? Uh, we're really excited about the possibilities coming up, and we can only do this as a church family. You know, as we as we act as a body, as the scriptures like to say, you know, with each member doing its separate part, as we begin to regather, we want to position ourselves as best we can 
for God's work as he works in his way, in his timing, and at his power. We want to be a part of it. And so with, whether you're ready to come back right now or you're not yet ready to come back, uh, would you please join with us in praying for this next season in the life of the church, that God would go before us, that this would be a season in which we experience a lot of growth, spiritual growth, and just God doing incredible things. If there's a prayer that we've had from the beginning of current, it's that God would move, that we'd get to see God move and be a part of it. We just long to see God move and in some way be a part of it. That's, that's what we hope. That's our prayer. And to everyone facing walls of Jericho in your own personal life or in your family or whatever that might mean, how can you trust God in the way that he is moving? And how can you trust him in his timing with the understanding that God is not just in the business of doing miracles, but he wants to do miracles in and through you and me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the way you move in our lives. Uh, we confess that we often don't do a great job of following you and, and your leading. Uh, but Father, would you, would you please move in, in your power and help us to play our part? If there's anything we long for as a church, as, as your followers, it's to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Father, we ask that you would go before us as a church as we begin to seek to regather. Would you raise up workers to help us pull this off? And would you do an incredible miracle in and through the church in the months ahead? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's continue this time of worship now through song.